Welcome to Making Resilience Cool, a podcast based on the resilience advantage, a 12-episode series created by U.S. Resiliency Council and Optimum Seismic. The program addresses what resilience means to our communities, businesses, and governments here and around the world. I am your host, Audrey Liu, a student at Cal Poly Slow and an aspiring architectural engineer. Working with the host of the series, Evan Reese, the executive director of the USRC, I've been deep diving into the rich archive of interviews with special guests from various fields, such as business leaders, community leaders, architects, engineers, and experts in sustainability, sharing their insights on the importance of resilient design. Come along with me on my journey in learning more about resilient design and why it's so important in all of our lives. Episode four, back on their feet. A baby's first steps are always so memorable. They carefully stand and then proceed to wobble like a penguin. It's so cute how they do that. This embodies the idea of resilience. They stumble, they fall, but then they have the support of their loved ones to get them back up and try again. This makes me wonder how can communities get back on their feet after a disaster strikes? And who is at the forefront of the community's support system? So Evan, what do you think about my baby analogy? I actually think it's pretty on target, Audrey. I'd take it even one step further and say that a baby learns to find its balance and walk by falling. The same is true with resilience. We get better and better at it as we go. And a community support system is what makes all the difference when disaster strikes. You know, this reminds me of our interview with Laurel Rosen. She talks about how communities can get the support they need both before and after natural disasters. Laurel Rosen was the president and CEO of the Santa Monica Chamber of Commerce when Evan interviewed her and was on a mission to represent business members in the community to make sure that they can thrive. She worked directly with the chamber to advocate for businesses and the community. Here is Laurel Rosen. Chambers of today, we have our members, but especially with the Santa Monica Chamber in this environment, we recognize that we represent the whole community. And through the last six months, we literally have been uh, representing the whole community. And we get many, many phone calls from, from all different sectors and organizations and members. But our actual membership base is about 800 businesses, which is a representation of, of, of thousands of employees. And what we do is we, um, make sure that we're connecting in this environment, especially uh, to everyone in the community, not just our members, but everyone that really needs services and resources and, and help and support. What kind of services and resources do you think are vital for a community? And how does the chamber play a role in supporting the community? Well, first of all, what I would say is that our chamber has been at the cutting edge and in the middle of uh, anything that has to do with with disaster and disaster preparedness. We are a founding member of what is called SMOAID, which is Santa Monica Organizations Aiding in Disaster. And we have sat on that board and helped with the initiatives for many, many, many years. We recognize in times of disaster, it's a time where everyone has to come together. And we see it as our responsibility to make sure that we're working with our city and local agencies, actually in our regional agencies, we work with the county as well, to provide the kind of information and guidance that everyone in this community needs to make sure that we mitigate as much of the uh, problems that arise with any type of disaster. 
Getting everyone together. This is a common trend I've noticed while listening to the Resilience Advantage. Can you tell me more about the organization you mentioned that deals with the natural disasters in Santa Monica? SMOAID, which is Santa Monica Organizations Aiding in Disaster, was created with uh, founding members of the Santa Monica Red Cross and the Office of Emergency Management and other organizations and agencies, including the Santa Monica Chamber of Commerce. The goal of this organization is to not only provide the type of resources and directions and support that our community needs after disaster, but there's a lot of educational components that are part of the preventative part of dealing with disaster and what to do next. With the COVID-19 pandemic, how has SMOAID been able to support the community? With COVID-19, we're working very actively with the Office of Emergency Management and SMOAID on the aspect of uh, economic recovery through education, through people really understanding what to do to be safe and what they need to do from moment to moment in our communities and what the realities are of our current situation. We also work with our other organizations and other businesses before a disaster. So there's, there's a lot of responsibility on prevention as well, that not only the Office of Emergency Management working with SMOAID and our, our organizations like the Chamber really recognize that we have an opportunity to really um, make a difference before disaster strikes. What are the common hurdles faced when considering retrofitting a building? Do these hurdles have more of an effect on businesses or on individuals? So as important as it is to to move forward and retrofit vulnerable buildings. We are in challenging times. Before COVID even hit, businesses have been some struggling, some not. And the thought of uh, spending more money at this time, especially, is a pretty daunting task uh, to ask of people. But they have to understand that it's you know one of these penny-wise and pound-foolish situations where If they don't spend the money now, they may not have a business tomorrow. And to be able to help them understand that and also provide any type of direction, resources, and benefits to partnering to get that retrofit done. What is reasonable in terms of the responsibility that falls on the city? And what challenges does it pose? I think it's a responsibility of, of, of the cities first and foremost, but of also the organizations and agencies that want to see this happen. And I think that's the biggest challenge is to educate, is to go to the businesses and make them understand why it's so important and what the, the consequences will be if they really don't take uh, action right now. And then how that action can be supported through uh, government uh, funding through any kind of incentives that are out there. I think it's important to people feel that they get, they see the steps to make this happen right now. Could you say a little bit more about that? How do you motivate businesses to act? Well, I think one of the ways that we're going to get our businesses to actually retrofit is finding incentives, you know, whether it's a, a, a private public partnership or it's a city funded program or it's coming from some of our larger utility companies or regional influence 
I think there needs to be the support now more than ever, whether it's education, some type of workshop that brings our businesses in to make them understand what the reality is, what the costs are, and what kind of support and financial benefits they have to make their ability to actually pay for this happen. So I think first and foremost, it's going to be education. They first need to know what the reality is and what it actually is going to cost, and then how they're being helped with those costs, no matter where that money is coming from. That makes sense. If people do not know about the costs or what possible benefits there are for them in the future, they can't make sound decisions about how to prepare for natural hazards and prevent the harm that can come from them. I think that's the most important thing right now is is to create support so it does happen because I don't think in and of themselves that the a lot of the businesses actually don't have the bandwidth. Honestly, in this environment in COVID, we don't even know of the vulnerable buildings at this point, which ones are open and which ones are coming back. So there's a lot of education and updating that needs to be done now for those businesses and then inviting them into a, uh, an environment where they are going to be educated, and then given some opportunity to have support. This is like the parents giving support to their own children as toddlers when they're learning to walk, but it goes farther. Parents also want their kids to get the best education possible to help guide them to a successful future. And giving their children support will help motivate them to continue and complete their educational goals. When a student gets a bad grade, they feel disappointed in themselves. At least I know I do. But those are just toddler wobbles for older kids and young adults. Their support system, their family, gets them back up on their feet and motivated again. So Laurel, in terms of resilience and the built environment, what are some of the broader effects of natural disasters on the community? Well, if I if I think I understand the question you're asking, what what I would say is many people uh, need to really think bigger about the the consequences of earthquake and vulnerable buildings. It's not just about losing the building. Uh, there is a cost that is uh, attached to that, obviously, and the cost of paying for retrofit versus losing your building, losing your business, potentially having employees, customers, clients lose their lives and the liability that's attached to that, that's something that could change someone's life for the rest of their life. And that's something we don't want to see. Wow. Can you break this domino effect down for me? How can we educate owners more effectively about resilience and protecting their buildings? How does an earthquake make an impact on more than just buildings? That's an important point for our businesses to understand that this is a much bigger vulnerability than just the building itself and that they have to find ways to to partner and make this happen because it's, it's about lives and it's about um, the person who owns the building and the business. It's, it's about their life and what their life will look like if they have to deal with what I just said, which is losing their building, losing their business, and the loss of life. These are really important topics that people need to sit and ponder and then find a way to achieve uh, retrofit. Losing buildings, businesses, and lives. Yeah, I think those count as important topics to ponder, and not the only ones. There's also sustainability. Let's not forget about sustainability. 
As the president and CEO of the Santa Monica Chamber, how did you make your mark in terms of environmental concerns? Santa Monica is on um, <laughs> will always be the leader in sustainability and in, in this region. We're very clear with that, and we've been partnering with Off Sustainability Environment now for. 23 years bringing that information out and that message out to the community. There are many builders in this community that are very proud of their LEED certifications. And they know that being able to show that there are sustainable partners in the community is, is good for business and good for our city and good for the environment. So you will see probably more in this city than others, the incentive to, to provide LEED certification building. That's amazing. I'm planning on taking the LEED exam soon. I feel like sustainability has become more and more of a focus as people become more aware about our impacts on the environment. And we need to take a lead on saving our planet, especially in our field with our material usages. In our community, there the not only the businesses, but the whole community, including our city, joined together around sustainability and have for many years. We have a consciousness here about uh, whether people are doing the right thing. And we honor people every year at the Sustainable Quality Awards, and now in, we've done it for 23 years. So our businesses are aware of the fact of, of what kind of designations are available to them to show that they're doing the good work in our community. It's definitely a community effort. We need to start a domino effect to get people motivated and push for sustainability. As I have said, we have LEED certification uh, that many of our, our builders are very proud of. And the U.S. Resiliency Council certifications are also important for them, you know, whether it's platinum or gold or silver. It's just uh, something that they want to show. It's good for business. When we say green is good for business, anything that's done by our businesses to show that they're, they're good civic uh, partners in our community is very important because we have to do this together. This is a, a community that joins together in many di different initiatives, and this certainly is one of them, and a very important one that we were very proud of for many years. The certification and ratings remind me of episode two when Leslie Chapman Henderson spoke about how we rate everything in America, and it does make a difference in our choices. What kind of incentives are there, Laurel? So I'm very proud to say that the Santa Monica Chamber has worked for over 20 years with the city of Santa Monica, with our SMOAID partners, and with many other organizations to support sustainability, to support disaster preparedness in our communities. And in regards to sustainability in our city, we are the... Uh, the leaders in the region, and we have brought that information forward to our partners. I am the past chair of the Westside Council of Chambers, and we've brought our partners over to that meeting to discuss sustainability and the importance of it. You know, the, the fact is that when you have disaster strike a city and something happens to that city and it's having a real challenge getting back on its feet economically and, and just as a city as a whole, it affects every, everyone in the region. Getting back on its feet. I think that's where we started, but now I understand what wobbles on a bigger scale. It's the economy. Economic resilience is as important as structural resilience. Money drives everything, and it also affects everyone. The owner, the employees, the consumers, the community as a whole. There's this kind of synergy and a connection that all the cities around us realize we have. 
and that we can support each other and also what affects us affects the cities around us. So we want to make sure that we're consistently bringing that message out to our region and to support them in, in guiding them to follow what Santa Monica has done and has done for so many years and for so well. We want to support them and we want to help them find that path for, to sustainability so we all are able to protect ourselves, which is going to protect the region. One final question. So what do you think are the most important steps towards getting a community back on their feet? I feel it's really important to support our business members and support the efforts of our SMOAID, who is really making a difference in helping people stay safe in our community. So it's it's wonderful partnership that hopefully will reap the awards of safety and economic resilience that we all need, not only in Santa Monica, but our, our region really needs to come together around this message. So all in all, partnerships are the way to go. What a great way to wrap up this episode. I learned so much about how the community plays such an important role in the support system. That's a core value of resilience, Audrey, supporting each other to build a stronger bond within the community. That stronger bond gives the support needed for individuals and the economy to get back on their feet after a natural disaster. So, are you ready for the next interview? That is such a powerful message. Yes, I am so ready. I think a great person to turn to is Ross Stein. He's the co-founder of Tembler and a renowned seismologist himself. In our interview with him, he definitely provides a sobering but also a hopeful perspective on the seismic risks in California and the opportunities we have to make sure earthquakes don't become disasters. For more resources and information about Laurel Rosen and Zmoid, or for links to the Resilience Advantage series, check out our website. Thanks for joining me and listening to Making Resilience Cool, a podcast based on the 12-episode Resilience Advantage series created by the USRC and Optimum Seismic. Join me next time as I delve more deeply into the incredible archive of interviews from that series with engineers, architects, innovators, business leaders, and community leaders talking about everything you could possibly want to learn about what resilience really means. Next episode, I'll be deep diving into Evan's interview with Ross Stein, the co-founder and CEO of Tembler, a catastrophe modeling company specializing in seismic hazard and risk assessment. He emphasizes how one natural disaster can create a domino effect leading to many others.